Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm the host, Emily Trenum. And this week, we're talking with some folks from Oasis of Hope in the Bickford Bearwater community. And my guests are Joy Marseille, who's the executive director, and Casey Long, who's the marketing communications manager. So welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, Joy, um, you've been executive director, I guess. Probably, what is it like going on two years now? Something like that. Just just crossed into two years. Okay. Um, so, what's your? Um, are you from Memphis? And what? Na- I always like to ask. I'm a very neighborhood oriented person, so I always like to people ask people where they grew up. If they grew up in Memphis, what neighborhood they grew up in, and you know, what's your journey before you got to Oasis of Hope? Yeah. Um, so I actually am not from here. I'm a transplant. Uh, I uh, am from Florida originally, uh, Central Florida area. Um, and then I went to school at Howard University in Washington, D.C., um, spent some time in uh, East Tennessee um, and then out in California for a while um, and then ended up landing in Memphis about five years ago. Um, you know, along that journey, uh you know, a few different uh, career paths I've gone down. Um, I was a teacher. My background's in education. I was a teacher for uh, two or three years um, before uh, moving into public uh, engagement work and community work. Uh, That said, though, I have a long history of nonprofit work in my family and and kind of the legacy I was able, blessed to live into. Um, My parents did nonprofit work, um, and it's been kind of essential to the way I've kind of grown up. Uh, And then it was for me, it was pretty early on that I knew that I wanted to do something that was community based. Um, didn't feel particularly called to my community. I was fortunate to uh, be given a lot of opportunities and grew up in a neighborhood that was uh, very privileged. Um, I wouldn't say affluent, but definitely had the opportunities. Um, and so uh, in high school, kind of seeing other folks, black and brown folks who look like me, uh, just like not given the same opportunities just by you know, certainly by design in a lot of ways, um, but as far as their lives were concerned and their decision-making kind of by chance, right? And so um, wanted to see uh, see that change, uh, use the, the opportunities I've been given uh, as a responsibility to push other people into those same opportunities. Yeah, we, this is really, really a side conversation, but, you know, where you live, I mean, place matters so much in terms yeah. of, um, you know, proximity to good education, you know, um, uh, families that also have privilege. I mean, people don't, you know, you see all those maps that, you know, cities where, you know, the outcomes and in one interstate exit are way better than three exits away in the same city. Right. And so, yeah, it's a just, it's a, it's sort of an underlying um, now in community development, something people really think about a lot. So, yeah. so uh, Casey, what about you? Where are you from Memphis and what neighborhood did you live in growing up? I'm actually from Tipton County. So uh, about 45 minutes away from here. Um, I grew up in a very small town. Um, there's only one stoplight in uh, Brighton, Tennessee. Um, and go over in the next town, you know, get your groceries and all that stuff. But, you know, have obviously for, you know, coming, like coming to the mall or, you know, different events, uh, Memphis will have 
you know, spent some time here as well. Yeah, it's pretty different coming from a small town to sort of an urban, um, you know, the really, the, the neighborhood's yeah. really the, even though it's it's not dense in terms of high rises, like we think about in other places, it's definitely urban, Um a yeah. lot more so than a small town with a single stop. I grew up in a small town too. There was more than one uh, stoplight, but it, but I can totally relate. So, but I love cities. Like as soon as I could get yes. out, I I love cities and everything about them. So okay, well great. So um, so let's just talk about Oasis of Hope. Um, I've known about the organization forever, and but of course most people um, who are listening have not, and so. Joy, why don't you just tell us about, um, you know, how Oasis of Hope got its start and then, you know, just a kind of an overview of, of, of what it does. And then we'll dive more into some of the programs, specific programs farther on in the conversation. Yes. Yeah, so um, Oasis of Hope is a community development organization. Uh, we specifically uh, seek to serve, challenge and resource the community of North Memphis. Um, if you are from this area, you know that that's a very vague statement. Um, we focus primarily on the Big Bigford community and Bearwater community, so really bordering um, uh, Chelsea Chelsea to Marble is the industrial road, um, and then 7th to 2nd Street are kind of our borders as far as the way we think of uh, the community we're really seeking to serve, but sometimes we expand past that too. It kind of depends on who we're serving. Well, people who pay attention to neighborhoods might know about Uptown, and, and your neighborhood is really just north of that. Just north, yeah. We're uh, uh, yeah, maybe a block or two, yep. um, and you and you've uh, crossed into uptown. So um, the big border there is is usually about Chelsea um, and yeah, about Second Street or yep. so. Um, so we're right, we're right on that corner. Um, Bigford Park is right on the outside of uh, Bigford Community Center, where uh, most of our programs are housed. So um, that's where a lot of that is. Um, so I just mentioned we have Bigford Community Center, but we really have three main prongs of what we do. Uh, Bigford Community Center is one where we um, uh, operate the building. It's still owned by the city, but we operate that building um, and do programs out of that. We have a seniors program that averages about 40 seniors every day, um, and, and we're continuing to expand that program. Uh, we have a youth program that we've recoined No Opportunities Wasted or Now. Uh, which is really designed to specifically encourage uh, exposure um, and talent talent development in our youth, um, really pushing folks, uh, y- young people toward entrepreneurship in the arts, but really in whatever area is really calling calling their name. Um, and then the second, uh, the third, the third piece that we have in Bigford Community Center is our sports and rec program. So uh, after school every day, we have about uh, is anywhere, anywhere between 150 to 200 kids that come through our doors um, for their af- our after-school rec program, as well as our sports teams in the afternoons and, and evenings. We have a basketball team, volleyball, cheer. Um, I think we're getting into soccer most recently. So um, a little bit of everything at Big Free Community Center. Um, and then a few blocks down uh, the road, a, a few blocks north of, of, of us is uh, Bearwater Park. That's where that's situated. Um, Bearwater Park is made up of a lot of homes, but um, uh, 27 of which we own. Um, we partnered with Habitat for Humanity, um, as well as Promise Development, um, to really secure those um, and to you know build up uh, that neighborhood and create a little subdivision in our neighborhood. Uh, out of that neighborhood, also um, 
we've been able to, uh, you know, partner with tenants and make sure that they can get involved and engage in the resources we have. The third resource that we uh, pride ourselves in is Oasis Appliance and Furnishings, which is right on Thomas. So it's all within probably about three or not even maybe a two mile radius. Um, but on Thomas, we have Oasis Appliance and Furnishings where we um, take in donations and uh, discounted furniture from hotels and uh, apartment buildings. And we sell them at discounted discounted costs um, and severely, severely discounted. Um, uh, we try our best to make sure that folks have as much as they can. Yeah, the appliance store is amazing. And Urban Maid has, so people don't know, you know, people always post on like Facebook and next door, I'm looking for an inexpensive washer and dryer. I just moved. And, and people just, I think people know about the restore, um, which is, which is, you know, Habitat, of course it's national. People know about the restore, but people don't know about the Oasis appliance. Or I always send people there. There's appliances, there's furniture. There used to be a kind of a bicycle ministry. Is that still there? Mm-hmm. What? Yep. Still here. In fact, we, uh, we take in bicycles, we fix bikes, um, and give them back at, uh, I think for free. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we got anything you need. If you just moved in somewhere, um, and you're looking for inexpensive, got my sofas from there. It was, what, I think, $120, yep. blue sofa. And the people are so, uh, people are so nice, too, that work there. So I guess I've been there many times. I love it. I always, I've, I've brought some tours there of people. I just, it's, I love that. it's, it's the great. best. I always tell people about it. So go to the Oasis Appliance Store on North, it's on North 7th, right? It's on, it's on uh, Thomas. Okay, Thomas, if you need a good deal on any kind of appliance or furniture or an old bike, I mean, you can donate too. They take donations. Yeah. But if you want anything like that, make a beeline there because it's really amazing. Just my com- my commercial for the Oasis Appliance. Store. I appreciate the commercial. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah, and donations too. We'll come pick it up for you. So, so what's the, um, I want to talk a little more about the programs, but what's the, What's the neighborhood like? Um, I'm guessing it's, you know, a high poverty area, but just give us a little bit of flavor of, you know, who lives in the neighborhood. And um, the neighborhood has a lot of history too. And I don't know if you haven't been there very long. I don't know if you know about it. And Casey, jump in at any time, of course, as well. But I just, like I said, give people a flavor of the neighborhood. Well, uh, we've got a little bit of everything. Um, uh to your point, yes, like definitely a low income area. Um, uh, the area a lot of time, of course, gets a bad rap when we think about violence in Memphis and things like that. Um, but you know, that's that's often a function of poverty um, and desperation. And so, the more business we can bring into the neighborhood, the the more those sorts of things decrease. So that's a that's a huge positive. Um, that said, though, even though uh, it's uh, definitely like low income in a lot of ways. Um, it's a lot of families, um, mostly uh, single parents um, and a lot of senior citizens as well. Um, in fact, you'll find a lot of the people who have been in this neighborhood have been for generations. Um, and so uh, we want to keep that the same, right? We want to make sure that the folks who have um, endured the space um, for a long time in its highs and its lows get to stay uh, stay in the area. Um, and so that's actually something we're pushing with our tenants right now is we really want to push home ownership so that folks who have been here can stay here. So the, um, so I know the, and I don't, I don't want to get too much in the weeds. I didn't tell you about, I have a, a jar. I, 
you know, this show gets into jargon a lot. So I have a bell that I ring when we use jargon um, because, you know, planning and development has a lot of, has a lot of technical terms. But having said that, um, you know, over the past 20 years, there's been a lot of investment in the uptown neighborhood through, you know, tax increment financing, which I won't go into here, but basically it's just, um, you know, taxes that are property taxes that are sort of pre-invested in an area. And I know for a long time, the Chelsea was sort of the northern boundary of where that kind of money, and that money goes to infrastructure, really building stuff, um, that that the, the boundary for where that money could be invested was Chelsea. But I thought there was some discussions about actually, um, you know, moving the boundary north. So so the neighborhood that Oasis serves could benefit from some of that. Has that happened? Um, so we have like the CRA is in our neighborhood and, and they use TIF money. Um, and so I'm not sure if it's the exact same one, because I know that there's multiple TIFs that are yep. kind of happening at the same time. We're, we are benefit beneficiaries of the CRA's TIF money. And we're able to, we don't uh, get a lot of like actually financial money. Uh, most of what they're their focus is, is uh, restoring areas, you know, uh, fixing blight, things like that. And so uh, the great benefit we've had, though, so far has been um, that there are areas that, um, you know, could have been bought up by folks who, who maybe are out of town. Not that there's anything wrong with out-of-town developers, but we want to make sure that, you know, the community remains first in mind. And so uh, we were a- actually able to acquire some properties ourselves, which was a big, great benefit. And then kind of when our resources extended, CRA was actually able to purchase a few properties as well that we're hoping eventually we'll be able to uh, create something beautiful. Yeah. And those dollars can pay for sidewalk improvements and, you know, the sexy stuff, the, the, the yeah. not sexy stuff that's very important. To... Speed bumps, uh, lighting, yep. yeah, street lights, um, uh, what are those called? Um, traffic lights, um, stop signs, all that. Yeah, that's great. And also, and so people who don't know, and we've talked about the CRA on the show before, is the Community Redevelopment Agency, I think, from Memphis and Shelby County. And I think they acquired the old church at 7th and Chelsea, which is an old historic church. And I'm hoping to do a show on that because that's such an interesting old building that's been boarded up forever. I'm sure people if drive up and down Chelsea have seen it. It's a big white church. It's very interesting looking and it just cries out for redevelopment. So historic too. There's a lot of history there. I don't know all of it, but I, I know some glimpses that have been really um, like I said, I'm hoping that. to do something. I think that they're still in the planning stage, but I'm hoping to do a program on that at some point. So Yes. I'm excited for what it could turn into. We'll so the um so you you talked a little bit about housing, um, and I know that um you talked about the the Bearwater Park project. Um and I don't know if you even you might not have been living in Memphis, you know, it was a horrible, horrible blighted apartment complex there that ended up being torn down and replaced by the beautiful Bearwater Park community. And, um, but are you still, and, and also I know always has done, has done a lot of infill housing, you know, on Lazar. So are you still doing that? What's the, what's your current, what are you currently working on in terms of a housing development perspective? 
Yeah, right now um, we're not doing any uh, builds right now or, or any new developments at the time. Most of what we're focused on right now is acquisition, trying to uh, see if there's some properties that have been blighted or are you know going into um, default or something that we can go ahead and uh, snag up. Um, as far as what we're doing for our programming concerns, um, a lot of what we're trying to support right now is our tenants that we already have um, and ensure that they're given uh, financial, you know, aids, that there's some sort of um, support in the in the pursuit of home ownership, um, even if that means just taking classes or if that means uh, moving into that next phase, um, working with banks um, and then working with, of course, with some community develop other community development organizations as well that are doing some similar work and have a bit more expansion in the housing department. We're really trying to lean on them and, and see what they're doing well and see if we can emulate some of that. Um, so no new builds as of right now, um, but we're, I mean, uh, you know, if, 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 if someone has a great idea and, and some finances, we're, we're happy to talk. Yeah, that's the, that's the challenge. So are you yeah. still, is Promise CDC still in the neighborhood? Are you still working with them and other partners? Uh, Promise CDC is still in the neighborhood. We work uh, not as directly as we used to. We used to be very, very closely tied. Um, and they were a huge, very integral in helping us get Bearwater Park up and running in the way it has been going. going. Um, but they have a lot of other properties as well. And so we went ahead and uh, moved to a different managing company. Um, but they're right down the street. I mean, we we, we partner pretty regularly um, and get to see each other a lot. So it's really, it's a good time. Actually, we're we're talking right now about the properties that are between Chelsea, it's like a whole block of property between Chelsea and um, and Bickford Street. Um, there's all these properties in there, and uh, and we're kind of partnering together to figure out what uh, what's best to do with those properties. The um, so the so I know that you talked about this. So so you always have been operating programs out of the senior center for a long time, but did you guys take it over? at some point, completely take over operating that community center? Yes. So um, the seniors program was, was run by the city as well as the, 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 the building as a whole was run by the city as well. And oof, I'm going to get the date wrong. I want to say, I want to say about seven or eight years ago, um, we adopted uh, the program because the city just didn't have the uh, resources to sustain it. And so we were able to adopt the program, um, having, you know, some some uh, different different constraints and, and different circumstances on our end um, and able to provide some like grantees and, and grantors and things like that. Um, and so we, we adopted the program and have since been uh, kind of carrying that for the past 10 years or so. Um, uh, we, as an organization, we're actually about to celebrate 20 years. So we're very excited oh, about that. Oh, congratulations. That's, am- that's very, amazing. Very exciting. very exciting, yeah. Um, in fact, our, is that, no, on Friday is our official anniversary. Okay. Um, though it's not a one day, so um, I'm sure, I'm sure celebrations will be elsewhere. Yes, but that's okay. I mean, 20 years, <laughs> you don't have to celebrate on the exact day. You just, if, you've got the whole month to celebrate. The whole month that's to celebrate. Do, so. We're excited about that. But as far as the building is concerned, we uh, officially moved into Bigfoot Community Center January 2022. And um, we we do all of the operations of it. Um, we do not own the building. It is a city building still. It is still a city community center. And we um, 
are still figuring out what capacity looks like in fulfilling all that it needs to be as a community center. But um, it is, it's the cities and it's the communities. It's not Oasis's. Um, that said, we want to steward it well. And so our goal is to make sure that we have as many programs as possible for as many days as possible as often as possible. Well, and that's a big, a pretty big facility. I mean, doesn't that have a swimming pool? Uh, it is connected with a fit swimming pool. It's a good question. Important distinction. Um, so Oasis of Hope runs Bigford Community Center, right? We share the same parking lot with Bigford Aquatic Center. Oh, okay. And uh, Bigford Aquatic Center is still run and operated by the city. Okay. It's a common question. Okay. <laughs> So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. And I'm talking to Joy Marseille and Casey Long, who are with the Oasis of Hope uh, CDC in the Bickford Bearwater community. So the, I feel like, um, so is your office in the community center now? No, my office is actually in our original. So we, when we started programming uh, almost 20 years ago now, um, we operated out of two homes, yep. uh, houses. Um, one we have since we, we rent out um, to a community member, and the other is where my office is as well. Well, there was that greenhouse where the, op- the green- okay, yes. is that where your office is? Yes. Okay. Two, four, five, death. Okay. So I feel like um, for a long time there was, you know, supporting the school and the students there um, was a big priority. Is that, I know the school was, a public school than a charter school and is the school still operating is that still is that relationship still important yeah essential um the relationship is absolutely essential um so we did start uh i kind of brushed over this but some of our history is actually coming out of hope presbyterian church um out in cordova um some members decided to kind of for lack of a better word adopt a neighborhood as it were um and kind of get in in the middle of what was going on at Caldwell Elementary at the time. Um, and then uh, when Hertz Village closed down, um, uh, they a lot of our population left and they combined with Caldwell, with, with Caldwell into Caldwell Guthrie Elementary. And then um, eventually it was disbanded for a while. I think it was a high school for a couple of years. Um, but now uh, in the past two or three years, um, KIPP uh, Charter School has, has been in the building. Okay. And they've been there for... Um, they have the middle and, and elementary school there. And so a lot of the kids that come to our rec program are, are KIPP students. And the rec programs offer out of the community center. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, right out of the community center, right after school. Well, and so what yeah. about the park? I just feel like I always felt like Oasis was sort of, you know, the park on some level that it's almost like a town square, was you know sort of the headquarters something on every side so what so um it sounds like it's much the same and so what what are you do you have plans what are you doing in the park yeah so we um again we do not own or operate the park (laughs) that is all city all day um and that, uh, you know, we have some restrictions that we have to abide by, right? Um, but a lot of time we do a lot of our community events out there. We just had a water day this past August, um, uh, early August. Uh, we do our fall fest out in the park. Um, this September 23rd, we're going to have our O-Roll, which is going to be a bike event celebrating our 20th anniversary. Um, and so we do all sorts of things out of the park. Um, 
in that, again, it's operated by the city. And so we have some restrictions as far as what we can or cannot do in that space. Um, but exactly what you said is exactly true, Emily, that we want this whole space to feel um, safe, comfortable, like a community, like we're engaged with one another effectively. So all the way through Bearwater Park, all the way, I mean, uh, Bearwater Park, all the way through to Chelsea, we really want it to be one cohesive engagement. So while we're kind of shoring up where we are now, we've had a, a rebrand. So you may see some different colors and things out there. Um, we're, we are uh, kind of refocusing as an organization and making sure that we're keeping the community first. Um, and so out of Bickford, we're able to kind of bloom out into the spaces around us. Um, we already have the greenhouse. We're, we're looking right now at, there's a space right next to the greenhouse that um, kind of is on the corner, just the way Kip is, but on the other side of the street. Um, so we really want to do like kind of a communal space there that is comfortable. Um, a few blocks down, we have um, a, a lot on the corner um, of 7th and, I'm forgetting the cross street, um, but down on 7th that we would like to, um, you know, given the right resources, we'd like to uh, transform into a memorial garden uh, for folks who have been lost um, recently and in the past. Um, and then additionally, across across the way from Bickford, uh, Bickford Park, there's a Bickford Street, um, and then behind that, there's a you know a whole block, and then behind that is is Chelsea. That whole block, like I said, there's um, a lot of properties there that we want to develop. Um, we've we've had all sorts of ideas from a community garden to um, you know an outdoor stage, a public space where folks can um, do more. We've talked about moving the bike store over there so that there's a bit more accessibility for kids who um, you know may not want to cross that busy Thomas Street. Or, um, so there's there's a lot of expansion happening, and that's in progress. Um, that's a great. A lot of it is in progress. That's too. a great idea because when you think about it, I mean, even though you know um, the park, I mean, all of that is kind of tucked away. I mean, um, you know, you can drive up and down seventh and you wouldn't even necessarily know, you know, the community center, of course, people in the neighborhood know it's just, you know, you, you kind of are zigging and zagging to get into some of those things and to move some things to Chelsea that would be visible. Um, that's a great idea. Yeah, and really wanting to it to be a walkable space. You know, most of the folks we all know that Memphis, like um, transit in Memphis, is is a problem for lots of folks, especially folks of lower incomes, and um, that is definitely the case here. And and so that's part of the reason why we're putting on a bike event, right? We want to really encourage folks to use um, biking and other means of transportation to get around the neighborhood, but in us kind of expanding into those other spaces, we want more visibility. But more than anything, we really want folks who are in this neighborhood to be able to walk to a grocery store or walk to, uh, you know, the community center, of course, or walk to, you know, a bike shop to get their bike fixed. There should be accessibility, um, just like there is in other areas of town. There should be that much accessibility here as well. Well, is there any, um, you know, the parks division, you know, is investing a lot of money in parks improvements. And I think, um, you know, every park is getting something. I mean, some are getting whole new community centers and some parks are getting, you know, they're a splash pad or their bed just painted. So what about, what about, are there investments happening in your little park? Um, I wouldn't say any major investments right now. Um, uh, there've been talk about lighting and there's been talk about, um, you know, uh, 
creating like a baseball field or something like that. Um, I know. Is there um, room for a baseball? Is there room for a baseball field? There's actually a baseball field there. It just is. It's it's unkempt, but it's there is a baseball field already as part of the park. Um, it just isn't used right now. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. And the greenhouse. Yeah, I, I, I mean, didn't know about the greenhouse. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. There is. There's a lot to be said for this area and things that uh, could develop here. Um, the big key for me and for the organization as a whole is that we make sure that whatever we do develop here um, is something that folks are going to be able to use um, and want to use. Um, and that will draw the attention of our community members and draw them in. And we of course want other folks to come enjoy it as well. Like, I mean, there's opportunity for tournaments and baseball games and all sorts of stuff in our neighborhood. Um, but we also want to make sure that whatever it is that's here is going to be something that folks down the street want to come to. So I want to ask a little bit about the community engagement. Um, but before we sort of leave, I feel like we're talking about parks and green spaces before we leave that, you know, there's that park that's kind of on the North. It's really talk about, actually there's a park that's on the very North of your neighborhood where I think ultimately the North Memphis green line will terminate in. Is anything happening with that park? It's just kind of there. Yeah. Washington Washington park. Park. Um, I couldn't remember the name. I, not a whole lot. It's really um, just a. It's what? really just a field. <laughs> We're calling it a yeah, park. But it's really just a field. <laughs> it's mostly a field. Um, I think that's the great benefit of having Bigford Center right there along Bigford Park, and even just having Oasis here, Promise here. Like, there's some other organizations that are really giving it life right here. North of us is even more industrial. Yep. This becomes more and more industrial the north, more north you get. And so I think uh, that's been a challenge for the parks department of just making sure that that's still an integrated neighborhood that like is integrated in the community. Um, I think green line, the green line going through there will be a help. Um, but I am, I'm definitely interested to see what happens in the space. Um, our main focus right now is Bigfoot Park. Of course. And we really want to encourage folks to, because the same investment that has been in Washington Park, we're excited about it and getting that green line in there. I'm hopeful that that'll increase some foot traffic, which will hopefully increase some, um, you know, benches and, and uh, you know, fountains and some things that uh, I know community members really would like there. Um, but our, our goal is to kind of surround Bickford Park with as much liveliness as possible so that um, when that investment does come that we can do something. Oh, sure. I wasn't. Yeah. I mean, totally. You can't spread, you can't spread the proverbial peanut butter too thin, but I was just thinking yeah. about, it's been a question before. We were talking, so I'm about, glad you we're talking about parks and I just been, been up there a number of times and it is in an industrial area. Um, so it, and, um, it's not a place that people would just go and have a picnic necessarily. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not on your way somewhere. So, like it, yeah, you have to kind of go to it. So it sounds like you've, um, and I'm. I don't want to put words in your mouth and say you have a new strategic plan, but it sounds like over the last couple of years you've really invested in a lot of community engagement and hearing from people. And so, what are they? Um, what are you hearing um, that people want? Um, Oasis of Hope to do? What What do people say they want your priorities to be? Ooh, that is a loaded question. Well, 
Well, no, but I get it. Well, I mean, I have a lot of community engagement experience, and yeah, I mean, and, and of course, people people want things that are difficult to bring, like a grocery store. That's something you hear from everybody. Sure. You know, that's just very difficult. Yeah. And yeah, and it's kind of there's some above me issues, right? That I, I can only do so or real much. estate market forces, you know. Yeah, so it's just it's yes. not it's not things I can really affect. However, um, the only way I say, the reason I say it's a loaded question is um, just our our history. We I think we've I think we've been very effective in some years. I think there have been other years that we we struggled um, to be as effective. Um, I think. You know, community development, the idea of community development is fairly new. Um, uh, and the idea of doing it in a way that is honoring of all of the people that you're engaging with is very new. <laughs> um, and so I think we fell into some unhealthy uh, patterns in the past as an organization. And so that's a lot of what we've been working on. And I'm actually going to throw this to Casey because um, a lot of what we have been working on the past couple of years has been really creating the scaffolding to support the organization we already have. Um, you know, we had these programs, we had the senior program, we had the apartment or the uh, homes, um, but creating something that is cohesive and clear across the whole organization has been something that we really want to do to make sure that we're being, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're inconsistent in our, uh, in our structure, we're going to be inconsistent in our execution. And so we want to make sure we're stepping away from that. So that actually was a huge part of our rebrand is kind of re- reclaiming what we want to be and, and how we want to show up in our community. Um, but I'll let Casey talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So with us, I will say, especially because, you know, we're celebrating 20 years and we've kind of just been asking participants and, you know, people that have been here before, like what has the 20 years looked like for them? Why do they keep coming back? Why do they send their kids here? And I would say that a bulk of it just boils down to like people want somewhere that they can go and have community with, you know, like minded people and they want somewhere that they can go and, you know, where they're not changed for, you know, who they are, how they feel, what they believe. So, you know, you come to Oasis of Hope, you know, we have programming. Um, we have uh, a wealth of things to do, but there's also a respect and you know, this this knowledge that I can go here and I can be who I am. Like when it comes to the seniors, like, you know, Joy mentioned earlier, um, staying in Bearwater Park, like they want somewhere that they can walk or, or drive and, and know that, you know, they can feel safe. They want to know that, you know, they can speak their mind, that they can have community, that if there is an idea that they have for, you know, an event that they'd want to do or something that they'd like to see in the park or around, that they can find that here. So um, really what we want to try to do is tackle all of the the age range because we, we hold folks here that are five years old all the way up to, to 95 and older. And so that's a lot of different uh, life experience, um, a lot of different ideas and, and ways of thinking. And so for us, with anything that we do, we really do try to make sure that we get community opinion first. And also just, you know, she's not here right now, but our community development manager 
she is very like strong-minded and strong-willed that like if if it is not for the community if it is something that you know um would not be in their best service that we will absolutely not do it and so i think that's something that oasis of hope like it sets us apart i would say because we really do try our best in this age in this stage of existence to make sure that we get input from the people that live here you know, because I don't. And it's people that live here that they, they know what they want. They know what they need. And so we just try to provide that as best we can. So it's interesting, given that the programs haven't changed, it sounds like that people didn't necessarily always feel like their voices were informing the programs. So, yeah, that's, you know, that is, um, and both of you may know this, that's, that's sadly the case in a lot of community development work, even neighborhood-based work, um, is not necessarily always driven by, I mean, the, the whole concept of, of community development corporations was that it was, um, you know, the organizations were there to, to fulfill the community development agenda of the people who live there. But in, in real life, it doesn't always play, play out that way for a variety of reasons. So I'm really happy to hear that, um, that that's happening because um, yeah, it's, that's how it's supposed to be. And uh, it's, to that point, I mean, it's harder. It is a harder way to do it. Um, you know, speaking to those properties across the street, um, and the uh, stick to of our community development manager. Um, that was a big reason why we expanded our staff to include include her is because we want to make sure our community is first in mind. And that property area, um, for example, like, you know, we, we brainstorm as a staff had all these different ideas. And, oh, that'd be so cool. Or what if we did that and this and that and that. Um, and uh, her name is Carly Bird. Uh, Carly was, stopped all of us in our chat. Like, these are great ideas, but we're gonna we're gonna ask people what they actually want, um, and then we'll go from there and see what it is. And if that means we build one thing, then we build one thing. If that means, um, you know, it's completely off base from what I would maybe want in my backyard, like it doesn't really matter. I don't. I'm not in the neighborhood day to day, and so it's not really. Um, any one of our individuals that opinions that matters. Well, there's, you know, there are a few um, community development organizations in Memphis that are, that were, you know, birthed by an institution of some kind, like the works um, in St. Andrew in South Memphis. And um, of course there's the medical district collaborative, which has, you know, which really has a lot of corporate. Do you think that can create, not talking about Oasis in particular, but do you think that kind of can create a disconnect? I mean, when people come and, well, I always say, you know, the well-meaning people from the suburbs who come in and there are a lot of more wonderful people come in and it can be paternalistic. And I've always, has always been very independent from, from my perspective, but just in general, it sounds like that can sometimes create that disconnect. Oh yeah. There's, um, there's much to be said about this that you could probably do do a, a a show only on that, but I would say that that's definitely an issue. Like I think, and this is across the board. I think Oasis does fall into that. I'm not going to absolve us from that either. I think that that's across the board. When 
it, it's a tough balance, right? Because on one hand, uh, there are folks who need support, right? And, and need support that they might not necessarily be able to get in their neighborhood or may not have the connections to the folks who could get them what they need. However, on the other side of that, um, yeah, just like you said, it can become very paternalistic. Um, and, and sort of, uh, since you have less, you must know less, or since you have less, you must understand less. And that is not at all the case, first off. Um, but also, a lot of the time, those who are giving that input, they may not even know more, right? And so um, even things that, um, and I think you see this across the board for nonprofits, that you know stuff that works in one neighborhood may not work in another neighborhood. Um, you know, and figuring out what it is that the community needs, but also what's going to work effectively um, with the resources you have. Um, it is great to have a, um, you know, a program that uh, encourages kids to tie-dye shirts. That's, that can be very empowering and very beneficial. But if no child wants to tie-dye a shirt, at some point, you're really only serving the person who wants who wants to yep. do it rather than yep. the people who are supposed Definitely. to be served. And it's, um, yeah, it's complicated. Um, and it's a, a lot of times it's unfortunately, um, you know, the, the, the benefactors don't get the asset-based community development training um, about how, you know, that's the, really the model is lifting up the, all the different assets in a neighborhood, physical, human, economic, they're all there. They just need to be, you know, built upon the that garden needs to be watered, and it's not just a, a set of problems to be solved. And it's just human nature. I'm not picking on anyone in particular. And it's new. It's very new. I mean, community development—that's what since the '80s. Yep. Um, and then community development, as we see it today. I mean, our world has changed so much in the last really three yep. years, but definitely even the last five or ten. And so people people's thought process around the way we can honor other people is changing and is growing. And I think it's a good thing overall, but it's, you know, you're going to have some, some bumps and bruises along the way of figuring out how to do that effectively and how to change your own mindsets and think differently about the way we love other people, um, whether that be through finances or resources. Um, you know, this is all about preserving dignity of humanity. That's what this is about across the board. And so um, if that's the motivation and that's the goal, likely we will be in the right Headspace. I agree. So we've, co- I feel like we've covered a lot of ground, but what didn't I ask you that you want people to know? I'll let Casey go first because she, uh, I'm sure I'll hear about it after if I didn't mention. <laughs> um, for me, I, I would just like to touch more on uh, our Oro, which is, you know, in celebration of our 20th uh, anniversary this year. It is a biking event and bike give- giveaway. Uh, we're going to have workshops for kids to come and learn all about uh, bike safety, how to make sure, you know, you check the, the ABCs of your bike, right helmet fit, all of those great things. Um, and then there will be a, a series of races at the end for them to, you know, showcase their skills a little bit. Um, and beyond that, it's it's for kids, but it is also for everyone. Um, it is for adults. There will be mini games, raffle prizes, free food, music, um, all of that. It's going to be a great time on September 23rd uh, right here at Bigfoot Community Center. So come out and celebrate with us. It's going to be a great time. Okay. Okay. That's good. I'm gonna actually going to be out of town. I would love to come. So it sounds like a very fun event. 
So, oh, yeah, it's going to be a good So, time. Joy, also just tell people what the website is. If people, if people, I always say, like, you know, get your checkbooks out, people. Um, if people want to support the organization in any way, give me that information or also anything else that you want people to know. Yeah. So, okay. So if you want to get involved in any way, um, the best way to do that is to go to our website, www.oohmemphis.com. So it's oohmemphis.com. Um, and there you'll be able to find basically everything we do. We are always, always looking for more volunteers for our community events, uh, to work with our kids, uh, uh, whether that be an art teacher, um, somebody who's a production specialist, um, or if you're a coach, if you enjoy uh, coaching on the side, anything like that. Um, if you have a heart for seniors um, and you want to help us with home visits and home calls, some uh, sick visits and things like that during the day, we always are, are looking for more volunteers. Um, also looking for volunteers for our appliance store. If you just want to help engage with our, our population and um, sell some furniture and sell some appliances, that's always a great option. Um, and then, of course, of course, of course, donating, donating, donating. Um, it, we are always, always in need financially. Um, Bigfoot Community Center is a huge undertaking. We're grateful for it. We're excited about it. But it is a financial burden. <laughs> um, I can so, only imagine. Uh, Oh my goodness! It is, uh, yeah, over a quarter million dollar addition. Uh, so, it's um, it's aggressive <laughs> in that. So, if you if you do feel that to um, donate, we do really really appreciate it. It can change lives. Okay, well, this has been amazing. I'm, I, I um, so if, if you uh, so we listened to, to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR ninety one point seven FM. I've been talking to Joy Marseille, who's the executive director of Oasis of Hope, which serves the Bickford and Bearwater neighborhoods um, in North Memphis, and Casey Long, who's the marketing communication manager. So thanks, you guys, for coming on the show. It's been so interesting, and I look forward to meeting you both in person sometime soon.